Now, the brakes had gone out on my big brown 1965 Coupe de Ville, and it was like 2.30 in the morning, and I did not want to walk, so I kept driving. I just needed to make it back to my house without running into anybody. I knew exactly how I would stop that big beast once I got home. If you buy and sell cars for a profit, or you want to, you're in the right place. This is the Flipping Genius Podcast. I am your host, Randy Lee. I've been flipping cars most of my life, despite having almost zero mechanical skill. For the past dozen years or so, I've been a licensed, used car dealer in the great state of Alabama. No matter what the topic, this podcast has one main goal, to make our listeners money. Let's get to it, flippers. Welcome. <laughs> hey, welcome to the Flipping Genius Christmas episode number one. So this is episode 49, and we're in our first season of Flipping Genius. And I thought just for fun, uh, we've got about a week till Christmas, not even a week till Christmas. I thought I'd uh, do something for fun and just talk about my favorite 10 vehicles of all time. Uh, and I've been around a long time, so some of these go way back. Um, some were vehicles that I made money on, some I lost money on, not many, and some were money uh, money makers. I, I actually made money with the vehicle, and some were just for fun, just because I got a good story and I thought I'd, I'd share them with him. The stories that I'm going to tell, I haven't, some I probably haven't told anybody, uh, and I haven't told them in a long time, and I definitely haven't told them on the podcast, so that should be fun. But first... I want to I want to start with a thank you. I want to thank you for listening to the Flipping Genius today. I want you to know I really appreciate you. Uh, we started the Flipping Genius podcast in January of this year, 2020, and here we are, uh, December 21st, as I record this portion of this week's podcast. It'll come out on December 23rd, um, and by the end of the year, we'll have 50 full episodes published. Um, we have listeners in all 50 states of the United States and 31 other countries to boot all over the world. Uh, we've got partnerships with nearly 20 of our favorite suppliers on our website that provide both you know, our listeners discounts and they help us support and sustain the podcast. Some of them do. Um, now this is the Christmas and a holiday season. I would, I'd especially like to express my gratitude to all of you who who loyally subscribe and listen each week, or 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 even binge listen. I've heard that term. That's that's. I take that as a great compliment. Uh, I share the podcast with your social media or any other way. I, I appreciate that. Anybody that sends in questions and comments and suggestions and information, you're a big help to me. You know, when you send that to flippingquestions at gmail.com, it gives me an idea of where we need to go with the podcast, what what uh, subjects we have to uh, address, and, and, and it gives me a chance to help the people that we're trying to help, uh, the listeners. We try to help you make more money. That is the focus of Flipping Genius, and I appreciate your participation. Um, I, I, I really want to express my thanks to those of you who have become Flipping Team members on our website, FlippingGenius.com. Your help with your generous financial support is just I can't say how much I appreciate it. It's awesome. And 
And I, I appreciate those of you who have joined our Flipping Genius Facebook used car groups in cities all across the United States. And some of you are even helping manage those groups. And I really appreciate you guys, too. Um, and I, I love Christmas time so much that each year my wife and I celebrate Christmas every single day of the month of December. And, and I know that is a little crazy, but that's just the kind of crazy that I am. And it's the right thing for us. Um, you know, I, I've lost some loved ones over the years, um, and it makes you value each day, and it makes me value each Christmas, and I guess that's part of why I do that. So this year, you know, it's been extra taxing with this COVID-19 mess and all the toll that it has taken on everybody across the world. Uh, businesses have had a tough time. All of us have been affected one way or another, uh, either our health or somebody else's health or their business or, well, I don't have to tell you, it's been a tough year. And I'm hoping that, that the next year will be fantastic. And next episode, by the way, we're going to talk about how to plan to make that a great year. But today, today we're going to talk about some of Santa Randy, that's me, Santa Randy's favorite sleds over the year, so over the years. So, Let's uh, settle in, and we're going to talk about number one. We got we got ten. And actually, it's going to encompass I think twelve vehicles all together because a couple of them go together. So the first one I'm going to talk about is that 1965 Cadillac Coupe de Ville that I mentioned at the start of the show, the Brown Beast. Okay, this was actually my second Cadillac. Uh, I was probably about 19 years old, 18 or 19, and uh, it was a 65 Coupe de Ville, uh, which means it's a two-door, uh, and it was brown. I think it had a beige uh, soft top, not not a convertible top, but um, it was a, it was a big old beast. Uh, I, I used to get a kick out of the big heavy doors and the the long hood and the long trunk and that thing it it rode great i bought it for 250 bucks and uh drove it around for a while <laughs> and uh i i've had several many cadillacs since then um including another one that's on this list which is another <laughs> Another cheap one, uh, but I paid 250 bucks for it, and I wound up selling it to the junkyard for 50 dollars. But the night before is the memorable story that uh, that I alluded to in the opening. Um, it was about 2:30 in the morning, and I was heading home from you know a night of uh, celebrating, <laughs> and uh, the brakes went out on it completely, and I was about. I would say around three miles from home, and I did not want to walk home. I think it, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was cold in Toledo, Ohio, and there was snow on the ground, and uh, I figured I could drive home because I knew the way and I knew every little shortcut across gas stations and parking lots, and I could run through every red light, and I just had to avoid hitting anybody or anything on the way home and I did I drove up through gas stations up through uh, 
uh, closed restaurants, the parking lots, and just kept rolling through intersections, ran a couple red lights, and always in the back of my mind was this giant oak tree that was behind the house that I was renting at the time. I knew if I got there, I could stop this big beast and get out and go in and be safe. <laughs> and it didn't have a lot of life in the engine left. It really wasn't worth repairing. And I had better things to do with my money than repair a car at the time, which had nothing to do with anything important. <laughs> but anyway, I did. I wheeled it. Uh, into that driveway, up the driveway, which I shared with another house because I lived in a small house behind the big house, got around the corner past the garage and bam, right into that oak tree. And she stopped it cold. The tree did. <laughs> the next day I called the junkyard and I got 50 bucks for her. So I lost $200 on that one, but I got a lot of pleasure cruising around in the big brown beast. Okay, the second sled I'm going to talk about is uh, Lincoln. And that seems fitting that I start this list off with Cadillacs and Lincolns because that's really kind of my M.O. as far as the vehicles that I like. I My son drives a sporty little uh, uh, Mini Cooper that he's spent hours and hours getting just right. And he loves how it handles on the road. And, and it's a lot of fun to drive. And... I, I've never been into that kind of thing. I've always liked a big beast of a, of a vehicle. And my favorite beast of all time, of all the vehicles I've had, and I've had probably, she's close to a dozen Lincolns and Cadillacs uh, individually. I mean, not counting vehicles that I flip, but just my own personal cars. But I had a 1977 Lincoln Town Coupe. It's a two-door town car. And it just seemed kind of insane. The, the, even as big as that 65 Caddy was, these doors, I used to always say, they could break a man's leg. And the trunk could sleep eight. Now, I don't want to make it sound like I did either of those things, but I've said them so many times, I think somebody probably out there thinks I did. And it was just a big old Lincoln, gold, nice-looking car, I bought it for 750 bucks. Drove it around for quite a while. I was in in sales at the time, and it was a a good looking car. I think this was back in the 80s, so it wasn't that old. Um, I'm old, but it wasn't that old. And I wound up selling it for 1100 bucks uh, in the end. So I made a couple bucks off of it. And there's been so many Lincolns since then. Uh, every every style that you can think of, mostly town cars. Uh, I always had town cars. But uh, the, the 77 Lincoln Town Coupe was my favorite. But it wasn't really a flip. It turned out that I made a profit on it, and I've made a profit on a lot of cars over the years, but it wasn't intentional. But the next one we're going to talk about was my very first flip car. And this was a long time before I even knew what the term flip meant. <laughs> And when we come back, I'm going to tell you about that first flipper. Just uh, give me 30 seconds so I can tell you a little bit about the folks that allow me to do this podcast. Now, as promised, I'm going to tell you about my first flip car. I remember buying this thing alongside the road. 
again, I was in Toledo, Ohio, uh, where I grew up. And the snow and mostly the salt would just eat cars apart, just like they do now. And this was a 1975, I believe, Volkswagen Rabbit. And the front fenders had rust holes just eating right, not, not through the, well, they were all around the wheel wells too, but right through the top of the fenders. There's actually holes running through it. But the little thing ran really well. And glass was solid. Tires were okay. And uh, I had exactly knew exactly what I could do to fix it. Um, I've done a lot of body work on some of the other junkers that I'd bought up until that point. And I would think I was, oh, maybe in my early 20s at the time, doing something else in sales. And I, I thought this would be a good side flip. Um, so I, I was out working on this thing. Uh, what I did with the rust is I, I hammered out all the bad stuff and I sanded it down. Uh, with a, I think, electric sander, cheap one, you know, I got, I got from a place called Bargain City, um, and sanded away all the rust. Then I took, I took tin foil and I, I, I stuffed it inside those holes along the, the. And I, I, I'm not recommending you do this, by the way. This is what I did: um, stuffed that tin foil inside those holes and hammered it in so it was flat. Then I took bondo. and I was bondoing over the top of that. And then after I bondoed all the holes shut. I got my sander out and sanded it down and smoothed it out. And I was going through this process. I had this matching uh, paint that I got from, uh, uh, I think that same Bargain City place. This was before uh, Walmart was around. And uh, was touching it up. I had I had a little primer too, I think. I'm not even sure if I used primer. But the, the funny part about this story is that my neighbor was watching me do this. He's an older guy. And he was just talking to me and, and maybe probably talking about football or something and watching me do this. And after watching for about a half hour, 45 minutes, he said, I always wondered how they do this. And I said, who does what? And and he said, I always wonder how they did this body work. And I said, well, hopefully nobody does body work like this. Uh, but when I was done, the thing looked pretty good. And uh, I'd paid about 250 bucks for it. I wound up selling it for, I think, 750 or $800. That, you know, I, I tripled my money, uh, which was good. And it didn't have any cost into it other than the maybe four or five bucks for some Bondo and, uh, and paint. And that was my, that was my first uh, taste of flipping cars. Uh, the next one is another paint story. And... This was several years later. And you may have heard of the poor man's paint job where you actually paint a vehicle using a roller brush and foam brushes and very thin Rust-Oleum uh, paint out of a can. Well, I had heard about this. I've seen videos on it. And I was looking for a vehicle that I could do this on. And I probably about... Oh, maybe a dozen years ago, I found a, a 89 Toyota Corolla. It's a pretty decent little car as far as it ran pretty well. It had pretty good tires, and I bought it for $250 from a private seller. Um, the paint was all faded and needed a repaint, but it didn't have any rust on it. I was in Alabama, and you don't see rust on vehicles here, but the paint was gone. 
The interior was okay, uh, needed some cleanup inside. And I thought this could be the perfect vehicle to do this thing on. So there's actually videos of the vehicle uh, online. I can try to find some links to it. Um, we took this, this car, uh, sanded it down, did exactly what the guy on the YouTube video told me to do. Thin the paint out the way the guy told me to do. <laughs> and uh, painted this thing. It came out pretty close to the original uh, blue that was used back then uh, by Toyota. And the vehicle looked pretty doggone good. And like I said, it ran well. Found a guy who was in one of my barter organizations, which you've heard me talk about, who was looking for a car for his kid to go to school with, to go to college. And uh, he bought it for $2,400. So that was a nice little return, and it was a lot of fun. I uh, just did it in my backyard, and it looked about 85% as good as a paint job you'd get from someplace else and cost me nothing but my time. That was one of my favorite ones, and I keep threatening to do another one. <laughs> I probably will sometime, but not yet, not yet. The next one is one of my favorite trucks that I've ever, ever had, and it has a very distinctive feature. I guess one, one feature that you keep hearing over and over again is that I buy most of my vehicles for practically nothing. <laughs> and that's, that's something that's been common all my life and a lot of these a lot of these vehicles I'm talking about are quite a while ago and this this one is a 1993 Dodge Dakota extended cab um it had a the bed had been removed and it, and somebody had built a bed on it out of wood and they did a they did a nice job uh it was very solid had the tow package on it and uh I used it to tow cars for many years and uh it it uh, also had a plexiglass driver's window. The window had been broken out, and somebody put a plexiglass window in, which I chose to never replace. And in this plexiglass window, they had cut a square out of the uh, probably about a I'd say about a three three inch by four inch square. Uh, rectangle, obviously, and uh, put a, a hinge and a, and a little latch like you'd see on the on a uh, interior door, uh, so that you could unlatch it and the hinge would open this little rectangular window, so you could flick your cigarette ashes out the window, or in my case, cigar ashes out the uh, the window, <laughs> and uh, so it was a uh, a very unique smoker's window, and I know several of my friends thought that was pretty humorous, and uh, I bought this fine little Dakota for 250 bucks, and I drove it for several years, used it to haul my tow dolly uh, back and forth between uh, different auctions and uh, made a lot of money with it and then turned around and when the uh, the transmission was starting to slip on a little bit decided I better get rid of it and of course I advertised it uh, full disclosure and sold it for $750 and you know tripled my money that's a uh, that's the way you do it right <laughs> now we've talked about 
vehicles that I've bought for cheap, cheap, cheap. And I'm going to take a little break to tell you about probably the best place in my area for you to have a nice uh, Christmas meal and a New Year's celebration. And when I come back, I'm going to tell you about, I think it's probably the best value that I have ever gotten for a vehicle. Be right back. About uh, 74 seconds. Hang on. Hey, Flippers. I've got to tell you about my favorite fine dining restaurant probably anywhere, but certainly in the Huntsville, Alabama area. Treat yourselves to a night at Nick's Ristorante. Nick's offers the finest steaks, the freshest seafood, and northern Italian cuisine just like the old country. Seriously, this place is unlike any other. The atmosphere, the service, the desserts are all beyond compare. You will thank me. It is a wonderful place to spend an evening. Nick's is open Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday open seating and Friday and Saturday with two seatings of 5 p.m. or 7.30 p.m. for the foreseeable future based on 50% capacity restrictions with face coverings required to enter, exit, and maneuver while at Nick's. We care about your health and safety and dining experience and thank you for your understanding. Nick's Restaurante is a member of the iTex trading community. Your iTex dollars are welcome. One more thing about Nick's, make sure you go to their website, nicksrestaurante.com, and see their New Year's Eve menu and special. It'll be a great time. See, I told you it wouldn't be long. All right, I promised to tell you about the biggest value, I, I think, ever. And, I, and I've, I've, that's saying something, because I've always pride myself on buying things cheap, 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 and I'm pretty good at it. Um, and I've probably told some of you this story before in that uh, the car, the vehicle that I think has been the best value for the money is the vehicle that I drive every day right now, uh, most days. Uh, I bought a 2006 Suzuki Grand Vitara at the dealer's auto auction in Athens, Alabama, and I bought it for $350, and I think that was three or four years ago. It's been a while. And this little Suzuki has got the six-cylinder uh, motor, automatic transmission, two-wheel drive, uh, rear-wheel drive, uh, leather interior. It's a, it's a luxury model. It's got everything on it, heated seats, moonroof, Full power, everything works just like it should. The amazing thing is is that it's got close to three hundred fifty thousand miles on it now. I haven't looked. Last I looked, it said three forty four, but I know I've driven it quite a bit since then. So I wouldn't doubt it's getting around three fifty. And I, I'm not afraid to jump in that thing and drive it any place. So, uh, three hundred fifty bucks I paid for it. The problem is, you know, I probably couldn't sell it for a lot just because the miles would scare normal people. Um, but sure, surely could sell it for more than that. I mean, ice cold air conditioning, super warm heat, plus that heated seat. It's been getting cold here in Alabama lately. And uh, that little Suzuki, 
keeps us warm. We liked it so much, and you know I've talked about this before. We we bought one like it for for my wife, and along the way have bought several other Suzukis. And a few episodes back, I talked about about the amazing return on investment that I've done with Suzukis over the past couple of years, and uh, just. You know, part of it is just because I believe in them so much, especially that little, the little Grand Vitaras. But uh, what a what a great deal! Now, at the end of all this, I'm going to give you a breakdown of what I paid and and what I sold everything for. So this one I still have, so I don't get any credit for this one because I'm I've, I'm out 350 bucks, and <laughs> I've I've done a little bit of maintenance on it over the years, but I've not had to do any any major repairs. And uh, she just keeps cruising. I was just up in uh, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, and that was the you know. And there's no doubt, I'm jump in that car and just drive on up there. Not not a problem whatsoever. And it's my daily driver. And speaking of daily drivers, the next one is definitely one. This car has more stories than we have time to tell. So I'll limit it to a couple. But she was my very first. Now, I've got to go way, way, way back on this one. Uh, my dad, he, he he literally used to walk to work every day about two and a half miles and walk home in the, the cold of winter and the, the, the heat and rain and no matter what, Dad walked to work. And it wasn't because he didn't have a car. He he had a car, and a lot of the time my mom had a car too. But my dad's car stayed in the garage. And then when he get home, if it was sunny, a lot of days he'd back it out of the garage and dust it off, and then he'd put it back in the garage and go inside. And uh, about once a week, I guess he would drive it to church, and he would possibly drive it to the golf course. Uh, but the rest of the time, that 1967 Pontiac Executive Wagon, gold, with wood paneling, side uh, paneling, would sit in the garage and just be cared for and babied. And it shined like a new penny. It was a beautiful, beautiful car. It had, I think, around... 65, 70,000 miles on it. And, of course, we took out a couple little family trips. We had six kids, and Mom and Dad didn't make a lot of money, so we didn't go on big, extensive vacations. We'd usually drive to Cedar Point uh, up in Ohio. It was about maybe an hour and a half from our house. That was a typical place we'd go. We didn't usually go extended vacations. So I just didn't have that many miles on her. And uh, I remember I was working. I'd worked since I was 10 years old. I saved up a little bit of money, about 500 bucks, I think, <laughs> maybe six. And I was going to buy a car. And I remember coming home with a car on a test drive. I think it was about a 66, 67. Um, I think it was an Impala. It was a Chevy. And it had... Uh, it was souped up a little bit, had had some mag wheels on it, and uh, had a console with like a CB radio in it. <laughs> now, this is a long time ago, like 1976, 77, something like that. And uh, I brought it home to show Dad, and uh, 
He said, that thing is a piece of junk. And I bet he was right. Now, I, I still don't remember why he thought it was because I thought it just looked good, you know. And he said, if you're going to buy that, I will sell you my car for the same price, 500 bucks. I told my brothers, my older brothers, and they said, oh, man, you got to buy Dad's car. Dad's car is like a new car. So I did. Yeah. <laughs> I bought that beautiful station wagon. I mean, it was an old man's car, no doubt. But if you remember back then, the monkeys, some of you can't remember back then because I know a lot of you are young, but there's a, a band called the Monkeys, and they had their own television show and they drove a Pontiac wagon that was all souped up. It wasn't the big executive wagon. I think it was like a Tempest wagon or something. But it had mag wheels and it, it was jacked up in the back and I think it had uh, furry carpeting in it. Anyway, you know what I'm going to do. Sure enough, as soon as I got that car, I popped the hubcaps off. I painted the wheels silver. It already had triple red ring tires on it. Instead of white wall tires, I had tri triple red wall tires on it. My dad had a little style. And and then I took spacers. I jacked the back end up and put spacers in the spring so the back end would sit up a little bit higher than the front end. Then I put all the seats down and I used a little of that extra money that I had and I bought some shag carpeting and put it all around the back. I threw a beanbag chair in there and made myself some speakers out of uh, pressed wood that I could sit on top of the car and plug into the radio and play music real loud at the park when I went to play bas basketball. And my friends could hear me from like a block away because I, I had such a loud sound coming out of that 8-track radio that I put in the dash of that my dad's, my dad's wonderful car. <laughs> like I said, there's a lot of stories from there, but that's what I did first. And, uh, uh my dad's been gone for a long time, but if there's a way for him to not forgive me for that, I'm sure he hasn't forgiven me for that, nor should he have, and all the things I did to that old wagon after that. It was hard to beat it up bad enough that I would lose money on that. I mean, because the car was such a good car, but I did. I just kept beating it up. And one last story. <laughs> about the Pontiac. Years later, I'd moved out into a, an apartment that cost me $80 a month. This is a long time ago. Uh, and I, 80 bucks a month is what I paid for this apartment in the very, very wrong side of town. And uh, the uh, the Pontiac, I was still driving it, and it had a, uh, it had a bad uh, solenoid on the starter. Now, if you, if Back then, if you took a screwdriver, you could you could jump the solenoid and start the car. But you had to lay underneath the car to reach that solenoid on that Pontiac. So at uh, at night, I'd come home from my job and I would jack the car up when I had some strength. And uh, and then in the morning, I'd run downstairs and I would take the uh, the key, put it in ignition, climb underneath, and jump start it with my screwdriver. And then I would just back that old beast right off of the start, off the jack. I'd drive to my job and I'd pull up onto a curb. So when I started it the next time, I didn't need to jack it up. And I did that every day 
until I finally was wise enough to spend the eight or nine dollars to get the solenoid and put that on, which I was able to put that on back then. Back then, it was easier to work on things, so I could I could do a thing or two. But that's the kind of fool I was, and I I probably shouldn't uh, tell you all this stuff. I'm much smarter now. <laughs> anyway, sorry, Dad. Sorry. But that was the 67 Pontiac Executive Wagon, my very first car. And when I got all done, all done beating it up and running it into things and all kind of crazy stuff, I wound up selling that thing for $500. So I guess I broke even on it. But, oh, man, that was a, that was a terrible thing to do. Now I'm going to tell you about, uh, I think this was my first Cadillac. And it was special, too. 1966 Cadillac Sedan DeVille. It was two-tone, blue and beige, like kind of funky colors to go with each other. Had a, a beige cloth interior with some chrome trim. Had some style to it. And I paid $150 for this car, and it ran. And there was air in the tires, and it had it had this push button AM radio. You, you it was like the the uh, a precursor to to the scanner on your digital radio. And it would slide across and it would go chunk and land on a channel. <laughs> there was no tape tape player in it whatsoever. I don't think they had tape players in 1966. And uh, I always said, well, it was absolutely true. I said that this thing would fit the entire offensive line, and it did. I played football back then, and uh, <laughs> it was a big, big old vehicle. I paid one fifty for it. I drove it around for a little while. I sold it for three hundred and fifty, and I think that's when I started kind of thinking that you could make some money buying and selling cars. And later on. I think that same year is when I bought that Volkswagen Rabbit that I talked about earlier. Now, there were a couple cars that I put on my list because this is not my favorite flippers list. These aren't my best flips. There's lots better flips than these. These are just the cars that are most memorable to me. And there's two that fell into this category that I wanted to include that didn't even belong to me. And they kind of sort of did. And they're both American Motors cars. Now, some of you may not know about AMC. Uh, it actually was a, a part of... Jeep, I think, was part of American Motors back then. And they don't make American Motors anymore. And then later on, I believe Dodge actually bought out that whole name. Uh, or Chrysler did. Bought out american motors and then bought out jeep and american motors is long since gone but if you look them up you'll find some pretty cool old cars from that day but these two <laughs> these two were not one of them was an amc matador i believe it was a 1974 and we called it the frog and it belonged to my first wife it was her car when i first met her and i remember we were on i think one of our first dates and the car stalled, and she jumped out of the car before I could even think about it, popped the hood, took a screwdriver that seemed to be under the hood already, took the, uh, took the air filter off, popped the screwdriver into the, into the carburetor, jumped inside, and started that thing up. And I thought, whoa, this is a special girl. <laughs> the thing was the ugliest color green, and it was sort of like 
somebody was trying to trying to imitate a Camaro, but didn't do a real good job. But that was at AMC Matador. Didn't pay anything for it. Later on, we sold it, but uh, she kept the money. So there, there was a break even on that. But it was an amusing car. And talking about amusing American motors cars, the other one that didn't belong to me that played a little role in my life was my sweet mother's car. Her very first car that she ever bought was a, I think, a 1973 AMC Hornet. And it was the craziest blue color that at night, I swore it glowed in the dark. And and it had a white top and a a white uh, vinyl top and had these little checkered board seats inside it. And my mom just loved that car. And she let me drive it when I was 16. And I was out driving around, and I did all kind of crazy stuff. One of the things I did was got it stuck right in the middle of a guy's yard in a beautifully manicured lawn. And and it was uh, it, it had a thaw from the snow, but the ice was still on the road. And when we had to get that thing towed out of the middle of this guy's yard, it it just destroyed the yard. And there's a lot of stories that go along with that, but I'm not real sure if the statute of limitations has run out on that deal, so I'm not going to tell you the rest of that story. But what a mess. <laughs> We've got one more tale to tell. It's number 10. It includes two more vehicles, but they were pretty close to identical so i put them on one lump and that's next first i want to apologize for only talking about all these old old cars but it seems like that's when i had the absolute most fun with cars was when i was younger since it's become a business i think the most fun is cashing the checks or depositing the money um i don't take as much of an emotional attachment to the vehicles and i think that's probably why when I thought of my 10 favorite stories, eh, they were from a long time ago. But, you know, I I always try to be true to you and tell you what's true. And this is my true top 10. And number 10, and these are not in necessarily any order. They're just the ones that came to me. Because um, this was a this was kind of a, a cool thing. Um, remember I was talking about the old Pontiac executive and parking it up on the curb so I could start it with the with the screwdriver the curb that i i parked it at the job that i parked it at was a a garbage company um a big garbage company called waste management that's i'm sure still in business and uh it was the summer before i started uh college at the university of toledo and one of my coaches got me hooked up with a job at waste management I still remember my boss's name. I'm not going to say it out loud, but it's so funny to me that I remember his name. And uh, anyway, I I worked there that summer, uh, got a promotion to Garbage Man. I can't tell you. (laughs) You can only imagine what I was doing before they promoted me to Garbage Man. Got promoted to Garbage Man because a guy got his hand cut off. Whew, what a story that was. And I worked on the back of a garbage truck. one of the guys uh, had a heart attack, and I had to learn how to drive a 13-speed Diamond Rio garbage truck, uh, and I'd never driven a stick shift before. <laughs> it was quite a learning experience. But as you know, I keep my eyes, my head on a swivel and my eyes open, and I noticed, I noticed that there was a lot of money in the garbage business. 
So before you knew it, I bought a 1971 Ford F100 pickup truck. I bought some plywood and built the sides of that thing up to make my own garbage truck. I painted a rabbit coming out of a hat on the side and the words abracadabra waste removal. <laughs> and my first official company was started. I'd owned some other things. I'd done some self-employment type things over the years. But that was my first business. And it was a pretty good business. I mean, if you didn't mind getting dirty, and I was already getting dirty, so I started doing it at night on top of what I was doing during the day for waste management. And I naturally was competing with those guys for their business. And then along the way, I thought, hey, my one garbage truck, it was, there was no packer box on the back. It was just a pickup truck where, with piles of garbage stuffed in the, in the back of it, and then I'd take it to the dump. Well, I thought if one garbage truck can make me money, two can make me money. So I bought a second one, a second 1971 Ford F100. Almost was identical to the first one. Nothing to look at, believe me. But you know what happened? <laughs> they broke down, I think, on the same day. Both of them broke down with major repairs. At least they were major to me. And I wound up selling both of them for, um, I think I sold one to the junkyard. One of them I was able to sell running. And uh, I lost some money on those two. But but I made a lot of money. I made, I made you know, in, in, in that time's money. I'd made some money. For myself, and I learned about business by making sales calls. I was out making sales calls to sell. I'd have to clean up a little bit <laughs> to go in and, and, and make a sale, but I had a lot of tricks up my sleeve already, and it worked out. It worked out pretty good. Some of the stuff I learned back then played helped me play in some pretty big uh, big business areas later on because I was willing to do that. But uh, that's my 10th one, those two old Fords. And uh, along the way, I told you, you know, I, I, I lost some money on a couple. I uh, made some money on a couple. And the, and the one I still, I still have. All in all, I figure that I spent about $3,450 on those vehicles. And uh, I, when I was done, so that, that came to $287.50 per, per vehicle. And when I was all done, I sold them for about $6,200. So out of the deal, I got my current daily driver, which I still have, and about $2,750 gain, which isn't bad considering I wasn't flipping cars. I was mostly just, you know, doing my thing. <laughs> so those are my favorite 10 favorite sleds, actually 12 since we doubled up on some. And I, I hope uh, you enjoyed listening to me tell my tales. I can't leave them all out there because, like I said, there's maybe some statute of limitations out there that catch me. But uh, it's been a fun time, and I continue to have fun uh, flipping cars. Uh, we'll probably share some some ideas on our blog about my favorite flips as far as the money <laughs> is involved uh, those will probably 
most certainly be entirely different list, but this was just a just for fun. I hope you guys all have a wonderful Christmas and a, a, a blessed holiday time with your families. As we get closer to the, the new year, at least according to our live schedule, because I know you may be listening to this later, we're going to do one more episode before the end of this year, 2020. That'll be our episode number 50, which is a pretty cool goal that we reached this year was to get to 50 episodes, and we will make it. And that 50th one is going to talk about how to plan for this coming year as a flipper, how to plan for your business and how to work your plan. We've talked about this way back, I think, in episode two or three, and there's some very valuable things there. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that again, because it's really talks about the system that I continue to use. Somebody reached out to me this week and asked, what do you get if you become a team member of Flipping Genius, and you'll see a box on our website at flippinggenius.com where you can click and become a team member. And really, honestly, the biggest thing you, you get is supporting the Flipping Genius program. It takes some money to run the train, and those of you who are generous enough to, to pr- provide a, a small monthly stipend, and it is small, uh, it's a big help. Every single dollar that's sent in helps keep this ball rolling. And as we continue to work with sponsors and vendors who we support that in turn support us, it it, it creates a better opportunity for us to grow this. But another thing that you get, another thing right out of the chute, if you become a team member, we send you a copy of the system that I use for tracking goals and keeping myself on track. It's a system I've used for years. We also will send you a uh, the the car evaluation system that I use whenever I go be a, buy a vehicle. And there's some other small things that we we throw in there, and certainly we take you into consideration first every single time because you team members mean a ton to us. Uh, it, it really means a lot to me that you believe enough in us to click that yellow yellow type at the top of the website and say, yeah, we want to we wanna participate and help. But also, I want to encourage you to click on that box, the resources page, and make sure you look for the items that you might already be thinking about, about buying possibly tires for your vehicle or a flip vehicle, parts, tools, You'll see the list. The list goes on and on. We've got nearly 20 partners on there that that are affiliate partners that are willing to help us. If you buy through them and they give you good deals because we've worked out a good deal, uh, they'll actually pay us a small commission. And one of the best ones on there is absolutely Jeremy Fisher's class that you've heard me talk about. The the three-hour flip academy is outstanding. It's $49, and I... I hope that you can learn a lot, and I know you can, from Flipping Genius and all our 50 episodes and all the 50 that are coming out next year. But Jeremy really compliments what we do. Jeremy's been a car flipper for years and is a great business advisor. He's involved in a lot of great things. Um, so I really encourage you to to go to flippinggenius.com, 1G, click on the resources page, go to the three-hour flip academy, click on that, buy it from Jeremy. He actually pays us a small commission, believe it or not. I appreciate him doing that, but I know 
you will definitely learn a lot from Jeremy's course. This is money well invested. I don't think you have to spend thousands of dollars to get to get the education. Um, if you want to, go ahead. I'm not going to try to stop you from doing it. But <laughs> 50 bucks, and he's going to lay it on the line and help you help you uh, learn. And and you get uh, lifetime access to the course online and and his uh, and his text as well. Lots of other good stuff, too, and, and it will continue to grow because I continue to work that. Hey, I really appreciate you listening. I appreciate our sponsors. I, I encourage you to come back. Be sure to listen to episode 50 so we can all get started on the right foot for the coming year. I wish you a Merry Christmas, and I'll talk to you soon. Hey, let's work together. Let's make some money. Let's all become flipping geniuses.